Hello everyone, my name is Jason Ramirez and welcome to Season 3, Episode 2 of the Hit List Podcast. A podcast where me and the guests cross off films from our watch list by watching them. I'm joined today by my good friend David Norton. So this is a very special episode because David, he's a good friend of mine and we actually live locally. So this is going to be the first episode where it's an in-person interview. So hello David, thank you so much for being here. Actually, thank you for hosting your home for us to record this in. <laughs> no problem. And I think... You should probably say it's it's this way because I'm old and don't tech well. Yes, that's so, right. <laughs> yeah, it's mostly that. Yeah, it's mostly the reason why we're here. Yeah. So David is a retired system and software engineer, and we met each other through the local film community in the in Maryland, D.C. area. So we worked together with James Couchet, who was in season one of our podcast, on a film called uh, Dumbass Shakedown. That's right. Famous. <laughs> indie, the, indie famous. Indie famous. Yeah, there we go. There we go. More accurate. <laughs> So David teaches Aikido and works with local actors and stunt people, helping them with their martial arts. And that's on screen, correct? On screen martial it's, arts? It's wherever it happens. Usually it's indie stuff, but sometimes it's, you know, TV shows and sometimes it's random. You know, I, I, I did a TV show that was just a, they randomly asked, by the way, do you guys know how to fight? <laughs> and we had to, and again, that was a weird thing on TV. I thought that things were much more professional that we just kind of had to randomly, you know, run through a fight, choreograph and oh, yeah. run it. But yeah, that's that's what I do because, you know, I've got that I've got that background and I have the background in acting and I also like teaching and it's it's fun for me to do. That's good. That's good. Yeah. A very professional. That's pretty much the <laughs> film industry. Yeah, it's yeah. It, it it's interesting that that sometimes that the, it's the T V shows that I've worked on are oddly not professional whereas sometimes some of the indie stuff people mm -hmm. do like the stuff that J james very serious has a lot of fun but he's very professional and yeah. organized but his stuff is just indie micro budget yeah james is like the only person i know who is like indie film guy but he's actually like on time with everything to the point where like most of the time yeah. we leave early <laughs> yeah you, you get done it's like it's like yeah like the last thing we filmed it was like we were supposed to go until like six o'clock and at like three thirty we were done it's just yeah because he's very organized he's, mm -hmm. he's done a lot and i think a lot is that he made mistakes before and he's like oh okay i gotta not do that again exactly so yeah it, it's it is an interesting gamut of you know professional unprofessional tv indie film but Anyway, enough about me. <laughs> so actually, before we get started into like the movies we're going to discuss, um, can you tell me more about your streaming viewing habits? Whenever you sit down and watch a right. movie, do you watch something new or do you stick to your favorites? Yeah, uh -huh. it's that's a good question because I am, even though I'm an old person and sometimes can't tech, I, tr I, I do like movies and interesting TV shows. So, and also, what I have, I don't have um, cable TV. I just have internet access, so it's oh. everything is streamed. Although I'm also an incredibly honest person, and I don't like pirating things. <laughs> it makes me feel bad, so I'm like, oh, I shouldn't do that. So I, I think I started with just Amazon Prime. That's right. all I had, because I got it, whatever, I got it free. I'm like, oh, okay. And, and there were TV shows that I kind of liked, and a handful of movies would come out. But not having any type of TV, you know, cable, I don't have any broadcast, it was it got harder to see things. So I kind of expanded my streaming streamability. And there was one 
service called Canopy. Are you familiar with that? Yeah, I'm familiar with yeah, that. Yeah, it's like if you have a library card, you have access to yeah. Canopy. And it's great because they have like old movies and, you know, foreign films and like things I would never normally watch. I think this thing you talked about, getting mm. out of the comfort zone. So I got that. And then most recently when I got the big TV and I got this great home theater, I found that smart TVs have access to things. <laughs> and I don't know how they work, but I have access to Voodoo or potentially Voodoo and Hulu and all these other things. Some I've paid for to try out some of the stuff. Some I've stopped. So I have a handful of things like Amazon, like Canopy, like I'm on and off Disney. Mm-hmm. And wh- like when the Marvel stuff comes out, <laughs> I watch. <laughs> and then when the Marvel stuff is done, I cancel my subscription. <laughs> so I'm weird like that. But that's, hey, they let me do that and until they don't. But yeah, I, uh, th- I have a handful of those services. And like we talked about when you mentioned your podcast, I could sit and watch my favorite movies. Like I had... All the Marvel movies on disc, I can just watch them over and over. But I want to see the things I haven't seen. I want to be challenged. And, you know, even though I'm an old guy, there are still old movies I haven't seen mm. that, you know, I put them on my watch list. And I'm like, oh, I got to come back to this. And I try right. to <laughs> I try to watch those. Like, I'm, I'm about to sit down. And it's like I'm done with my yard work or whatever I'm doing. And it's like 7 o'clock at night. Okay, what do I want to watch? Yeah, like, it, it's yeah. overwhelming, like, that decision. Like, you're able to sit down and watch something, but it's like, Oh, that's a long list. <laughs> that is, it is. So it's like, and I try to, I try to go by mood. It was like, am I a little tired, and you know, I want to get like this, get an action fix, or am I a little depressed and want something funny <laughs> comedy? You know, it's like, so it's it's weird what I what I figure out, and I and I do try to keep you in the back of my head to just kind of say, yeah, I should challenge myself. Like, yeah, watch that thing that you haven't that you've put off and put off and put off. Yeah, and I just recently watched something last night that was incredibly weird and I, I saw it just randomly going through canopy. It's called Colossal. Colossal. Oh, is that with Anne Hathaway? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you seen it? No, I know about it though. And I want to recommend it to James because <laughs> I know he's a big fan of the kaiju genre. He loves Godzilla and yeah. all the remakes. And I'm like, is really interesting. It's a weird premise, but just you know, from a lot of aspects, it was one of the and I'll watch movies for different reasons. Like for one actor, or I've heard about this performance, or mm. this director, or this story, but this one was a bunch of things that just seemed really interesting. So anyway, that yeah. was my challenge from last night. <laughs> yeah, actually, it's kind of interesting because um, I put off a lot of movies to watch, but this weekend I was a little ill. I was a little under uh, under the weather, so I had more. Because usually I work on the weekends, but like not like officially work, but like work on myself or like planning for the for the week, or whatever. Right. Uh, I need to take a break from that, but you know what? It's fine. I, I was able to take a break this weekend. <laughs> so on Sunday, I didn't even plan this, but I just watched a bunch of kung fu movies. <laughs> <laughs> so starting with Disciples of the Thirty Six Cha- Chamber, which is like, uh, yeah, you. Saw yes, <laughs> I saw, I had someone recommend that to me, and he was like, "If you haven't seen a lot of kung fu movies, he goes start there." Yeah, and so, I went. Okay, and it was really good. Yeah, it's a very good movie. Uh, the first movie is called The 36th Chamber of Shaolin, and then like there's a second movie called The Return to the 36th Chamber. Mm-hmm. Then now people like that one. And then the, uh, the second sequel is the one I saw, Disciples of the 36th Chamber, which I liked it, but I found the main character very annoying. <laughs> Just insufferable in so many ways. And it's really hard because like he's a very talented martial artist, so they can't really punish him for like 
like beating him up because he can beat them up. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah that punishment isn't gonna work. Yeah, it's not gonna work. But I, I I liked it not because of the main character, because like the choreography of everything it looked mm. amazing and the costumes. It's like I don't want to say a rainbow. I don't want to say like a, I used to insult shoes at the shoe store because I said it looks like a unicorn threw up on them because it gets. That's not an insult. It's, it is merely a description of the thing. Yeah. <laughs> but Why are you insulted? They're able to use color in a way that, like, you know who's who. Mm. But it's not like the it's not like the typical black versus white. Like, if someone's wearing black, they're right. evil. If someone's wearing white, they're good. No, it's like a bunch of colors. And like, I really like the like the final scenes where like they're all fighting each other and trying to escape from the building. The the movie that struck me in that way, I think I'm remembering it correctly. Was it? I think it was Jet Li in it, but I think it was Hero. Mm. It was, you know, of the of the type of, you know, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, modern Chinese, yeah. but very acrobatic and everything is way over the top, but you still buy it. But everything was about color. Like mm. yellow was this person, red was that person, black. And it was sometimes just like a sea of white. And then like when guys were getting shot with arrows then just like all the red just gets splotched right. on. But it was, yeah, it was how they did color was just jaw-dropping yeah and so the second movie i saw was kung fu panda 2 (laughs) (laughs) nice another kung fu listen i'm a huge fan of kung fu panda that movie means that trilogy means a lot to me that's fine i i don't poo-poo it i've only seen part of the first one and Mm -hmm. part of the second one i should really watch both i would suggest that and those are short movies too so like the first one's an hour and a half i I recommend that one Mm. and actually it was so good that people in china were wondering it was very very popular in china to the point very popular, very successful in China, mm. to the point like people in China were wondering, how did Americans make a movie, Chinese movie, better than we? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like, wow, that, and yeah, without without hitting like major racist or stereotype yeah. points. So, and the third movie I saw, which is like to end the night, was Paper Tigers, <clears throat> which James also recommended. I looked for it, is it on Netflix? Yeah, it's on Netflix. I looked for it the other day. And it was funny because I was just kind of browsing and I said, oh, I thought it was here. I have a feeling I'm going to have to search for it because it's not something they throw up on their trending now or, or look at. I think it is trending now. Yeah, yeah, like... I didn't see it, but it, that okay. is one I want. I wanted to see it in theaters, but in theaters, it was you know at the height of COVID and like the closest theater that I saw when James and I were talking about it was in like somewhere in you know, central Virginia or something. Ooh. There was like, they were like, <laughs> like, find a theater near me. There's nothing near you. It's in New York. It's in San Diego. It's in Chicago. I'm like, and, but it was like a two hour drive. I'm like, Oh, that's a, that's a tough one. Yeah. So, that's like half your day. Cause like movies, like two hours, two hour drive. That's yeah. Two hours. hour drive. Two and hour then you got to drive back. back. Six and then, hours. And then you're, you have to, you have to eat somewhere. It's like, Oh my God. <laughs> it's a whole day out. Yeah. It's yeah. a whole day out. So yeah. I don't, I don't blame you. Like I haven't been in theater since, not even 2020 since the beginning of 2020, probably 2019. I've honestly. been I've been going back. I've been every oh, now and then. Look I at went. you! I, oh, I'm so I'm so <laughs> fancy. I've, I, I and I have my list of, of movies that I have to see. I'm plan. I was going to see something during the week because I'm retired and I can do that. And I, <laughs> then I put it off because too much yard work to do. And I'm going to see Suicide Squad on yeah next Saturday. That's a really good one. I think you'll like that. I one. am again James Gunn. He he brings a lot. Even though the the, the first Suicide Squad was not horrible just it was okay it, it could have been better it, like, ha- it definitely could have been but like, i think this is going to be i don't think different it was horrible no it i don't think it was horrible like people keep saying oh it was really bad like no it wasn't bad it just could have been done better 
Exactly. And one of the best things that came out of that was the um, a, a YouTuber who, I, I don't watch a lot of her stuff, but she did a thing called the pitch meeting for Suicide Squad. Oh, I think I know who you're talking about. Is it Jenny? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Hilarious. That was really funny. Yeah. And she's done a few good things like that. Yeah. But I think that the new Suicide Squad will be good, but. Anyway, yeah. So that's my that's my movie habits. I actually I've been to see movies recently in theaters. <laughs> Go figure. Being super fancy. That was a very long intro, right? That, there. Well, I was going to say how much time. Well, well um, hey, too bad, too you're, bad. You're in charge. It's your, you it's guys your podcast. The, you make the rules. Yeah. The two films we'll be discussing today are Ghostbusters 2016, directed by Paul Feig, and The Sword of Doom, directed by Kihachi Okamoto. Ghostbusters is a 2016 American supernatural comedy film directed by Paul Feig and written by Feig and Katie DePold. It stars Melissa McCarthy, Kristen Wiig, Kate McKinnon, Leslie Jones, Chris Hensworth, Justin Kirk, and Neil Casey. It is a reboot of the 1984 film of the same name and the third film overall in the Ghostbusters franchise. The story focuses on four eccentric intelligent women and their incompetent assistant who fancy themselves as parapsychologist and begin a ghost catching business in New York City. So this film was on David's list. David, why was this movie on your list? Oh my gosh. First of all, when the first Ghostbusters came out, that to me was like groundbreaking comedy. It was one of my one of my favorite comedies despite my not being a huge Bill Murray fan, but hmm. enough said there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it, Ghostbusters the first one was great. The second one had its flaws, but it still had that charm and it had that I mean Aykroyd, Murray, Ramis uh, was just that ensemble cast was amazing. So when I had heard that it was coming out and they were going to reboot it, I was like, oh, well, that should be interesting. I hope they can do it right. Then I, when it was turned out to be an all-female cast, despite a lot of the haters saying, oh, this is going to suck because women aren't funny. <laughs> I think we can agree that those people are idiots. But I was like, oh, man, that could be really good. Then I heard. Then it became just controversy central, yeah. and basically, I just never got around to seeing it. Hmm. But there was controversy. Yeah. So, do so, you want to talk about the controversy? We'll, we'll get to the controversy. Okay. But I don't think there's. You can't discuss this movie without talking about the controversy. Yeah, you have to. You kind of have to. Elephant in the room. Yeah, but what are your initial thoughts of the movie after seeing it? I was disappointed. Mm. I wanted it to be good. And I tried to not let the controversy paint any kind of picture for me. Because right. there's so many movies that I've you hear great things about, you see it, and you don't like it. Or it's terrible for your taste. Or vice versa. You don't hear anything about it, or you hear it's bad, and then you see it, and you're like, that was so much fun. Or it was great in some way. So I went in, and I think I've mentioned to you, I don't know if your audience knows, I'm a pretty good audience. Like, I'll always give things a chance, and I'll go to see movies for an actor's performance, or just one name on it. Like, I mentioned Denzel Washington. I saw Jungle Cruise, mainly because Emily Blunt. Mm. I could watch her read the phone book. She's <laughs> wonderful. Or sometimes it's like, oh, this director's attached. Oh, I'm seeing it. I love all this stuff. Or, hey, I heard, you know... They had this guy was the cinematographer or this art director, whatever. So I'm a good audience, but I saw it and it was not good. Yeah. I mean, it, it for me, it failed on so many levels, not just, and I would say not just, it was the controversy about it. I tried not to listen to, right? but it just, 
didn't work for me in a lot of ways. Do you want me to go down my list, or do you want to kind of? So I know you have a, a bit. you have a list of stuff that you found good. You yes. want to go over that real quick? Yes. Okay. Kristen Wiig. I was never a real big fan of her from SNL. Mm. In fact, I kind of stopped watching SNL. Oh, I don't know. Maybe after Eddie Murphy. But it was I was always right. aware of SNL, and you know you'd watch it occasionally and. Oh, yeah, that's when, oh, yeah, Wayne's World was a big, in this piece, and then this. Anyway, but I would watch skits, you know, especially with once YouTube came out, and, you, oh, yeah. and people would just show all sorts of different clips from shows. But Kristen Wiig, solid comic actress, skit actor, you know, comedian, and I saw her in Wonder Woman, the, the second Wonder Woman yeah. movie. That really surprised me, because I thought her acting was really good. Wonder Woman, the movie was it was fun. Yeah. I the bar is not set too high for me for that. <laughs> but um Kristen Wiig, solid actress. Kate McKinnon, I just love. Yes. Mainly cuz her impressions. She doesn't do voices the way I'm trying to think different people who can really do voices. Like Bill Hader from SNL does a lot of voices, mm-hmm. but Kate McKinnon captures like the essence. Like <laughs> being Kellyanne Conway, for example. Oh, wow. Just captures, doesn't do the voice, but just the creepiness. And just does so many good, interesting things. The story was okay. You know, the reluctant heroes come together. And, you know, you get four very divergent characters. The jokes, Mm. a couple, a handful of them were good and funny, but mostly fell flat. And beyond that, that that was the good for me. I mean, the effects were good, but you kind of expect good effects after the first and second Ghostbusters, and now in where we are in the state of things with CGI, it should be good, but no amount of effects can save this. Right. So that's, I think that's all the good I can say about it. So I, I agree with like a lot of your points there as well. The one joke I remember that I actually laughed at was when Chris Hemsworth was like being interviewed for his position, and he's like, oh, he's just really dumb, but he's kind of just funny as well. When he says, uh, is it okay if I can bring my cat? Uh, I'm sorry, but I'm allergic. No, no, my cat is not a cat. He's a dog. <laughs> Wait, so your dog's name is my cat? <laughs> yeah, and I was like... And I was but like, it's I, not my cat, it's Mike Hat. Yeah, and I, I was reading oh, it. Okay. I saw it with, okay. <laughs> I saw it with subtitles, too, and I thought that was an error. It's, it actually was spelled out Mike Hat. When he start, uh, can I bring my cat? <laughs> and I was like, "What? What is this? Oh, that's the joke." <laughs> yes, and it's like they took the joke and they kind of went and went and went, and that was good. But to me, the da- a lot of the downside, and again, this is something that puts me off on comedy, and people will hate me because later Mel Brooks stuff I don't like. I like earlier Mel Brooks, like Spaceballs and Robin Hood Men in Tights. I didn't like because the jokes were obvious and they beat the dead horse of the joke mm. until it was no longer funny. And that's a lot of the comedy they did was just. As I tell people when I complain about later Mel Brooks, it's like they tie the joke to a brick and they beat you in the face with it. It's like, no, be subtle with your jokes. If they get it, fine. If they don't, move on. Tell another joke. Yeah. One joke that I felt was like that was when um, Kristen's character, she goes to see her ex-boyfriend. I'm not even sure what he was to her, but Mm. they're like on the side. And then Leslie Jones, I think it was Melissa McCarthy's character, were right there. And they're like, uh, Leslie's like, I bet he, he goes down on the dance floor. I, I thought that was funny, but they kept going with it. Yes. They kept going. I'm like, one or two comments is fine, but like, yeah, I bet he goes down on the dance floor. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's like, okay, that's kind of funny. But they kept going. Yeah. At a certain point, it's like, that doesn't make the joke more funny, exactly. in my opinion. Yeah. 
it's like it's like a funny joke you tell it and you get out mm. but then the the unfunny jokes you got to tell and tell again and then point back hey we told a joke it's like no that's not getting more funny yeah like you said i've in the bad the list of the bad that you showed me you also mentioned like when one of the characters got slimed they got slimed oh. for like 30 seconds right yeah which was compare that to the original when Bill Murray gets slimed, you don't even see it. All you see is this zoom in, and he goes, ah! And the next scene, they're helping him up, and he says, oh, he slimed me. It it happens off screen. Does that make it more effective? I don't know, but it was, it was I don't know, maybe subtle. But yeah. this, it was just, the ghost is just puking slime on her for like 30 seconds. And after 10 seconds, you're like, is it still? Still? Right. Still puking slime on her? Okay, still. That doesn't make a joke funny, in my opinion. Yeah. Maybe I'm an old fuddy-duddy. <laughs> <laughs> so what were the other stuff that you said was bad? Um, uh, and this is one of those things that can go either way. The fan service. Right. We talked about fanboys, and they can ruin movies. A little fan service is good, but some of the... Some of the cameos and references were just, it was, they were really trying to show you, like, look, we're in touch with the previous ones. I like the Harold Ramis bust when they go out of the, the dean's office yeah, and down yeah, the hall. Yeah. And, and they, only, they only touch on it for a few seconds, then they move on. It's Harold Ramis yeah. because you can't get Harold Ramis because he's yeah. dead. But um, just so many references and overdone Bill Murray's appearance was, yeah. felt so wasted. I mean, and it's weird. I don't know if anyone else thought this, but after he was, I guess, killed by the ghost, what tossed out a window, they didn't do anything else. It's like, well, the guy just—he just did. He get killed? What happened? I don't even know. He's Bill Murray. Tell me he's okay. But yeah, so many of those. And again, they weren't all horrible. Like Ernie Hudson at the end. Mm-hmm. You know, the, he's Leslie Jones's uncle. The, the, yeah, the, yeah, the okay. funeral dragon. Yeah, and a few, and and some you're not going to catch unless you're kind of sharp-eyed. Annie Potts. Right. Uh, in one scene. I mean, a few of them, but some were just overdone. Dan Aykroyd is the cab driver. If they didn't have him say the lot was it, I ain't afraid of no ghost. I'm like, oh, come on. That felt weak. <laughs> I don't know. But maybe that's just me. I actually like that part. You did? I ain't yeah. afraid of no ghost. <laughs> and maybe it was just because I kind of like, okay, what are they going to have him do? Like, it's like, it's like from The Simpsons. Say the line, Bart. <laughs> it's like, really? Oh, man. Anyway, what else? Oh, I should I should be up front with the with the people I don't like. Mm. Kristen Wiig, Kate McKinnon, I liked. Melissa McCarthy, never liked. Mm. She has this character, this annoying loudmouth loudmouth asshole. All right, playing that character once, okay, fine. It seems like every movie she's in, she is that, and she was that here. That character got old for me right away. But the joke of her testing out the new Ghostbuster, whatever it was. You knew going in that she's going to absolutely get slammed. And what happens? She gets slammed and then slammed over and over and over and over and over. And it's just like, I'm so tired of this joke. See, when they did that stuff in Looney Tunes, they had a limit, right? Yeah. They had like one, two, three, you're done. Yeah. There's a pattern to it. There's a rhythm. Yep. But no, they kept going, doing it over and over again with this yep. one. Like. Oh, you didn't see how she got hurt? She got hurt again. Oh, oh yeah. Let's, let's show how much she is yeah, you th- getting hurt. You, you think she's okay? And now she gets hit by a bus. Oh, my God. Not funny. Yeah. So, so. yeah. And and I wish I had examples, but too many of the jokes, just jokes that were told, whether they're visuals or someone saying it or whatever, just kind of fell flat. Like, they'll tell the joke, and it wasn't even a, <laughs> and it wasn't even like bad dad pun jokes. They were just fell flat, and I 
don't just didn't like that. Reminds me of my biology teacher. <laughs> no, I did. Did he try to be? Was he? The, was he the funny teacher who no, just wasn't like, making it? She was. She was very monotone, and I guess one time she told a joke, and then no one laughed. It's like, did you guys get it? And I'm like, no, we got it. Yeah, we got it, but that was we kind of didn't expect it. And sometimes it's the delivery. Yeah, it was. The, it was a delivery. Yeah, it was a delivery. And like, oh, did you guys get it? Because no, 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 we got it. You just yeah. made it worse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, the very fact that you had to ask us, that's now worse. And the funny thing is, you're talking about the stuff that you like, Chris Hemsworth being so stupid. Again, you can be stupid and make that funny, but some of the jokes, they, they were just, was he was too stupid. Right. And that just was annoying. Again, I don't have examples. Like I said, I only watched it once. Same. I didn't want to watch it twice. Like, let me write down all the things I hated because <laughs> no, I'm not going to watch it. It was it was that bad overall. Yeah. So, but um, something good I also liked was like the villain who could have been done better. He could have. I actually like that. I like the villain and the concept, and also how they didn't dwell on him. Like they they showed him in his apartment lair or whatever and they they pan across like a fields medal and all this stuff like he's this genius but so okay okay tortured bullied kid or whatever yeah okay i could buy that now he wants yeah. to end the world in some type of lovecraftian way sure and i think the actor did a pretty good job yeah he did a really good job when i say my better i mean like in terms of like the story you mm. could incorporate him to the story a lot better because overall the story was kind of weak yeah and when they introduced him it's like oh he's a villain like what what Okay, I okay. It, it kind of just surprised me out of nowhere, but not in a good way. You yeah, know? it was just like, oh, that was just out of nowhere. That's not a left field, you know. That's, yeah, that's how it felt like for me. And there were a handful of things that were just like you said, out of left field. It's like you know, come on, give us a, give us a hook, give us mm. a. Johnny Carson used to say when he, when he do his old skits, stupid skits, and he'd just say to the audience, hey. If you buy the premise, you buy the bit. So it's just like, <laughs> come on. Is it, you, you're accepting that there are ghosts? Okay, fine. I personally don't believe in ghosts, but okay, it's for the movie. Superheroes. Guy gets bitten by a radioactive spider. He doesn't die from some weird radiation poisoning. He becomes a superhero. I'll buy that. I'm right. a good audience. But this, it was just, it wasn't enough that we could just accept what they're showing. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, yeah. Like... Kristen Wiig's character, she dabbled in the paranormal, and now she wants to get tenure, and it comes back to bite her in the ass. Great. It's fine. It's funny. And she has to deal with the hijinks and the shenanigans. Fine. But if you don't give us some kind of setup, we're going to get lost and wander away. So I want to talk a little bit more about the development, because... Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. This... I think I told you before, but like this... The planning for making a third Gustavo... Their Ghostbusters movie came after Ghostbusters 2. But it's been in development hell since then because Bill Murray didn't want to be a part of it because all the scripts he saw weren't good. And because right. of the lackluster performance of the second one, right. he just wanted to do a commitment to it. And other the other cast members, cast members realized, like, without Bill Murray, there wasn't really a movie. Like, people wouldn't come back, right. essentially. If you, if you have Dan Aykroyd and Ernie Hudson, you better have some damn good writing to make that. Because <laughs> without Bill Murray... And I don't know when, at what point, how Ramis passed away, but that is a that's going to be a really tough sell to hardcore fans. Yeah, and he said like it wasn't his relationship with the other actors; it was just a relationship with Columbia Pictures and Sony. 
right. that he didn't want to like have that type of relationship right there. So his reluctance to like be a part of it kind of just said like, okay, let's just reboot it instead. And there was also like a video game that came out in 2009 where they, they came back to voice them, like including Bill Murray, all oh, the original actors. I remember actors. that, yeah. And that sold like a million units. So like wow. they were playing, so like, okay, let's bring it back because they're still interested in it. And it's an I worthy IP, right? But yeah, they did like for several different versions of the scripts. Like there was one script where like if they didn't get Bill Murray, they'll just replace it with Ben Stiller and had the other ca- characters is there. Ooh, yeah. That, that is again because and again, not just because of the fanboys, but Bill Murray is fairly beloved. Yeah. Like and to and to do a Ghostbusters without him, I think the fans would be justifiably upset at that. Yeah. So they just suggested like just introducing like a new cast as well, mm. but overall, the end of discussion, the end result was just rebooting the franchise. And then with the whole development, they wanted to have like um, hilarious people on it, mm. so they cast like SNL stars in there. So Leslie Jones, not Melissa McCarthy, but she, she's she's a comedy actress as well. Mm-hmm. The Kristen, um, Kate McKinnon, and Kristen Wiig, they're very funny women. So oh yeah, and I am also not a fan of Leslie Jones. Only because I don't think she's as well-rounded as, say, Kate McKinnon or right. Kristen Wiig. But some it's some of the things that she's done when she's not the tough black stereotype. Like when she did, she did a skit where she and her husband, played by another SNL male member who, whose name I forget, used to, he played he did uh, Donald Trump Jr. all the time. Oh yeah, I know. And they were I, yeah, and they yeah. were talking about they. It was a sex thing where they talk about their experience with this whatever sex thing. And Leslie Jones actually played it really well. She was very like this very timid person who, as it turns out, in the sack, she's super crazy, trying all this weird stuff, and she's, like, her her husband comes in, he's got, like, a broken arm, he's, like, cuts and bruised, and she basically goes in the bedroom, she's not timid, but she's playing as an actress, she's doing a good job. But her loud persona, I don't know, maybe it's just a lot of people like that, and just being that loud persona is enough. For me, it wasn't enough. It was just, I would have liked more, and I didn't get it. Yeah, that's that's pretty much my same opinion as well. She plays like the same character a lot, kind of mm-hmm. like Melissa McCarthy with her loud asshole character. Yep. It, it be like I know they're capable of more. You know, they can do more. I don't know. I like I said Leslie Jones from that one skit I mentioned, but yeah, Melissa McCarthy just I everything I've seen her. She's have loud you seen, asshole. Have you seen Spy? Yes, and I hated it. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh my god, she plays. Loudmouth asshole who's trying to be funny and quirky. No, those are two stereotypes. But uh, I don't know. But there were bits. That was a movie. There are very few movies that I stop in the middle of. And that was one about halfway. And I'm like, and there's only so much Morena Backer in I can take. She's on. She's oh, beautiful, <laughs> wonderful. Again, she's just I can watch all day. But she brought nothing. Mm. And she was just like, here's me being beautiful. I'm like, and then Melissa McCarthy hating on the fact that she's so beautiful. I'm like. I am so bored of Melissa McCarthy being annoying. So, sorry. Okay. okay. Going (laughs) off on some weird rants here. Sorry. That's fine. That's fine. So, actually, some other people that were considered to lead it was Emma Stone. She was considered to lead it, but she didn't want to be committed to a franchise. Well, joke's on her. She is now. (laughs) Now now she is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's funny. At what point was it decided? And I don't know. I I should be a better historian, so I'll rely on you. (laughs) At what point was it decided it was going to be a female cast? So Was that a... Did they they make that conscious decision, or did you just kind of fall into place that way? It was in 2014, like in... Oh, okay. So it was at a... 
So not too, not too early in the development. Yeah. Okay. So a couple of years before, like the, it was a, it was released. Yeah. That was when the decision was made. Which the, which would have been fine. I I nothing wrong with that. Mm-hmm. Again, I think I'm fairly forward thinking and woke and a feminist and all, <laughs> but just don't expect because it's a female cast that everyone should then automatically accept it if it doesn't have good writing and all the other parts aren't good. Yeah, that's kind of I've kind of created my own litmus test in a way. Mm. It's I I don't really have like a better description for it, but basically, if they advertise a movie and focus on like it's an all Latino cast or it's an all woman cast, I'm like, oh yeah, so the story sucks then, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's your selling point that it's all female. Yeah, nothing else. That's the big draw. Yeah, it's the same with like <laughs> these animated movies where like it's an all celebrity cast, like an all star cast. Oh yeah. Whenever you see, you see this in trailers all the time, they list name after name after name after name. Like, oh, these people are in it. Oh, so it sucks, right? It's, it sucks, <laughs> yeah. And the only film that, <coughs> the only film I've seen where I don't remember that being a selling point, but it was one of those, was The Prince of Egypt. Because mm. when I watched it as a kid, I didn't know there were so many famous people in it. Mm. And then as an adult, I'm like, yo, what's his name? <laughs> ah, Patrick. Was in Jake Gyllenhaal in that or no? I don't think he's in that. I, I don't know. Val Kimmer's in it. He's wow. Moses. Um, Sandra Bullock's in it. Hmm. What's his name? He's the bald head guy from Star Trek. Uh, Patrick Stewart. So, yeah, Patrick Stewart. He's in it. Yeah. <laughs> A lot of famous people are in that movie. But you don't realize it because you're not there to watch like the actors like perform. You're there to like watch the story of Moses and everything. Hmm. And to this day, it still holds up. And hmm. Usually when people like watch movies nowadays, they watch it for like Dwayne Johnson, which I don't really, how do I say, I don't really blame them for that because he, he's a charismatic actor. Like yeah. the reason you watch um, a Denzel Washington movie is because of Denzel Washington. Yeah. But it's kind of rare to see like, oh, you watch it because of the story. Mm-hmm. Or, at least for me nowadays. It's like, I, I know who the actors are like, oh, that dude's in Inception, that dude's in Dark Knight. <laughs> <laughs> and especially with like the Marvel Universe expanding everywhere, you kind of see people saying like, Oh, he was also in another movie with this other guy who played Captain America, you know? Mm-hmm. But there's also, again, we can't be so naive that we that we are blind to the realities of Hollywood. Right. Like, yes, sometimes you want a name, whether it's a, you know, who, who, who's hot today? Uh, Emma, Emma Stone? Emily? Who? I guess Emma Stone. Emma Stone or, you know, Robert De Niro or something. And if you can get that name, that will add more than if you get the B-list person. Right. You know? So I understand they're fighting that fight, and that's a, a problem with, you know, the, was it the, the white-facing, you know, getting white actors to play Asian roles or mm-hmm. non-Hispanic actors to play Hispanic role or whatever it is. And sometimes that argument is valid because nowadays we have actors, Hispanic, Asian, black, every, every type racial makeup that we we can't use that excuse anymore. It's not the 30s in Hollywood where there were two Asian actors, you know. But sometimes you want to get the big name to get the box office bucks because yeah. it still is a business, and we just have to we have to realize that we can't we can't be naive. It's like whenever I've heard this strategy as well. Like when you make it any movie, you have to get a name. It depends. Like and again, like I've seen some least, interesting indie movies. Also for like foreign markets as well. Yes, and yeah. the, and lots of things happen in foreign markets. Like you know, if you're going to show it in China, Marvel is having to deal with you can't deal with demonic topics. Mm. Demons are verboten in in uh, China. 
So they have to change things, which is weird because there are some Marvel properties that involve uh, demonic. I think Doctor Strange and maybe Shang-Chi might have some. But there's, and that's, and that's a calculation they have to make. Right. So it's like, yeah, names, we, we can't ignore the big name actors. We just got to sometimes accept they're going to be there. Yeah. Sounds weird to say. <laughs> so, as far as like the effects as well. Oh, actually, for casting, Cecily Strong was also suge- suggested to like lead it, mm. but she eventually was just like in a supporting role. Yeah, again, Cecily Strong, I really like her characters on mm. SNL, and she had a she had a nice. It was it was good to see her mm-hmm. in that supporting role. Like, oh, okay, that was it was good. Yeah, wasn't a wasn't a groundbreaking performance but it was interesting it was kind of like fun like i said on a scale of one to ten this wasn't a one it was a three yeah three or four like okay i watched it it had some fun parts but it wasn't enough to say that it was really great so yeah and as far as like the effects like with the ghosts and everything like that you kind of expect it to be good because it is like a multi-million dollar movie yeah so they actually did a really good job with that oh yeah some of the effects i mean slimer coming back they kind of captured that and all all the other ghosts i like the effect at the end with a big chasm in the ground and mm-hmm. that was it was well done and it was and it was a that the ending was very moving mm-hmm. i i actually liked the ending i it was a feel good ending where you know some you know someone sacrificing themselves to save someone and it it felt good but again not enough to save it yeah <laughs> <laughs> so that actually there were six companies to that with like 1,700 visual effects shots. Six so, companies to do all that? Wow. Yeah, six companies. And the main studios were Sony Pictures, Imageworks, with 300 shots that included the climactic Times Square sequence and all the proto- proton beams. Mm. Moving Picture Company with 250 shots that centered around the final battle, which included Rowan's monster form. And Australian company, Allura, with 500 shots encompassing various ghosts. And the majority of the work involved CGI, and there was a attempt to use various practical effects akin to the original movies, hmm. explaining that not, it wasn't to be a homage, but because it was the best way to achieve the effect. Right, right. So, and yeah, and that's good that they did it as a kind of a standalone. We want we want it to look a certain way, not just to be an homage, mm-hmm. which is too often, like I said, fanboy service can sometimes be too ruin much. Things. Yeah, yeah. So actually. This, Let's now get to the controversy. So oh, can't talk about this movie without talking about the controversy. Yep. So the announcement of a female-led cast in 2015 drew a polarized response from the public and internet backlash, mm. leading to the film's IMDb page and associated YouTube videos receiving low ratings prior to the film's release. Hmm. So this is... I'm going to do my best to like discuss this briefly because this could be like a whole... One hour episode. Oh yeah, by you itself. could you could do, you could talk just about that for quite a while. Yeah. All right. So Todd Martins of the Los Angeles Times suggested that fans felt entitled to a film that preserved the original as they imagined it. Mm. In, in an interview with Mashable, Ivan Reitman, I think he was the original director. He's director. Yep. Said, "I think there's way too much talk about gender when it comes to this film, and I think that many of the people who were complaining who were actually lovers of the original movies, not haters of women." Some saw the portrayal of Leslie Jones' character as a street-smart New Yorker as a stereotype to African-Americans. And Jones responded to this criticism on Twitter, writing, Why can't a regular person be a Ghostbuster? Hmm. And I actually liked how they included her. Like, yeah. I like, like, she just kind of showed up, mm-hmm. and she's this... She's not street-savvy, but she's like this... And again, if maybe if they had played up her 
a nerd about city matters. Mm-hmm. If they would played that up a little more, her character would have been a little more, I don't know, likable. But I liked her inclusion. She just kind of showed up and like, hey, you guys know the science. I know the city. I can help you out. And maybe make that be, you know, be kind of the annoying kid who wants to play with the big kids and they keep trying right. to shoo them away. But they didn't. And it just kind of like, oh, you know, you know the science. I know the city. Okay, ghost busting. Okay, again, fell flat like mm-hmm. a lot of jokes. But I didn't hate that character. I'm Me like, neither. There's, there's nothing wrong with it. No, I think actually they could have played up more like, because she's a history nerd. Because she kept saying like the history behind the building, right. by her, the street. Right. Her first contact with Rowan, the bad guy, she's like, oh, and did you know that? And, and he just kind of looks at her and goes, yes, and you will all be killed. And she's like, well, whatever. And just kind of <laughs> moves on. And that was kind of funny. But yeah, it, they could have they done more with that. And also, Elizabeth Flock, writing for PBS, said that the vote brigading targeted at the film may have been motivated by racism towards Jones. That is possible because mm-hmm. I, am, I am now no longer surprised at any amount of racism anywhere. Yeah. But I, I would say it's probably more the, the hate that kind of stirred up a lot of this controversy was more misogyny. It's like, uh, because, you know, you've probably heard it, male comics and some female comics saying women aren't women just aren't funny i'm like that's I'm like, where not does a thing. that come from <laughs> I, I think misogynist assholes yeah because you're gonna you're gonna get people hating it's like they need a reason to hate you're mm-hmm. a different color than i am you're a different gender than i am yeah i don't know i don't know where it comes from but it's out there so i would i would if i had to guess i would say it's 75 percent misogyny 25 percent racism it's what mired this yeah, controversy. Yeah, I, I think it was like more misogyny, but the racism was still there. Oh, it's, yeah, it's there. Yeah. Absolutely. And are you familiar with James Rolfe? He's the angry video game nerd on YouTube. Oh, no. Okay. Is, is he an asshole I need to know about? No, he, was, oh, okay. he wasn't an asshole. He just said he didn't want to see the movie because it wasn't associated with the first movie. And then he got harassment from oh, people who gosh. were... What the hell, man? He got harassed, not by like the misogynistic fans, but the people yeah. who, who wanted... To see the movie. Kind of the, the, the ultra-woke folks. It's like, you should like it because it... But that's not why... It seems like that's not why the guy didn't like it. He wanted a connection. And again, why, let people like things or not like things mm-hmm. for their reasons. Valid, usually, but often personal reasons. Yeah. Alright, it's not... I'm not going to watch it for that reason. Okay, don't watch it then. I don't know why there's so much hate on that. It sounds like people are trying to look for a controversy even if there isn't one there was also like a critic who said i really wish this movie did better Mm. just to suck it to the misogynist (laughs) unfortunately it sucks yeah it's like we want to tell those misogynistic assholes you know kind of put in their face it's like yes women can do comedy but if it's not good you got to be honest and say it's not good yeah you know what this reminds me of? Before Joker was released, mm. people kept saying like, "Oh, we might have some people shooting or like shooting up the uh, the movies because like the last guy who shot up the Dark Knight Rises theater back in 2012, yeah, um, he thought he was a Joker." And I was like, "What? No, you have it all wrong. That you kind of because so many shootings happen in this country that some facts and figures collide when they shouldn't be." Or, or people look for a cause or a reason why that isn't really there. Or right. they say, well, this person said he was motivated by this thing. It's like, well, 
removing that thing isn't going... It's like, he was, motiv he was motivated by the Batman movies. Okay, so we don't make Batman movies anymore. Don't worry. He'll get motiv A different guy will get motivated by a Punisher movie or a Spider-Man. No, Spider-Man. Spider-Man doesn't no. do anything. Everyone <laughs> loves Spider-Man. See, it, it wasn't even like that either because they confused it with another guy who shot up another place within the same week who was inspired by Joker. So, like, the film... It, it's people are making weird connections it yeah like, the batman connection was it was the batman movie he was at exactly he wasn't a, he didn't have any mental association with any batman carrot he just was a disturbed person who was probably racist and has other mental problems and in a batman movie decided to kill a bunch of people yeah that's your batman connection he yeah. was in the movie and yeah. then like when he went to his court date he dyed his hair orange and people are like, oh, yeah. Oh, the Joker. The Joker. Like, have you not seen any <laughs> movie with the Joker? That's not. No. Yeah. It, people just. But, yeah. And also, like, the, the controversy surrounding Joker before he even came out, it's kind of like, it look, kind of looked like people were kind of hoping for it to do bad. Yeah. So they and, could And also hope, hoping for it to, like, not hoping, but, like, they're kind of expecting someone to shoot up a Joker theater or, right. like, a theater screening. And it never happened. Right. And I'm like. Well, what happened to you guys? Like, <laughs> so that's kind. Of, that's just that's what it reminded me of. Like this controversy, like um, with, with misogynists here. Like you kind of wanted this movie to do good, just yeah. to like, give him a second bit. It, no, no, it didn't. That's... Yeah, but like where, whereas Joker, you don't hear anyone else talking shit about that movie unless they don't like the movie. Which and the thing is, it's okay to not like a movie. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And again, a lot of tastes. A lot. A lot of things are personal. It's like music. I'm sure. Music that I like, you'll listen to and say, oh, that's crap, and vice versa. But there are some things you can say, well, when you have a coherent story, that's better than an incoherent story. <laughs> Not always, because sometimes having an incoherent story can be good if you're doing a story about a guy's insanity. Mm -hmm. Maybe there should be some incoherency to kind of reflect that, but certain things like... You want actors to be good, and you want the lighting to be good, and you want the sound to not... So all these things that... Like, if, if if there are too many checks in the negative column, the movie overall, you have to say, well, it's not good. Mm -hmm. And having a female cast isn't in and of itself a good thing. Because right. if we're going to be feminists here, which I think we both are, yes, you can have a female cast, you can have a male cast. You can have female Ghostbusters, male, or a mix. Shouldn't matter. What should matter is, is it a good story? Is it well acted? Is it funny? Are the effects, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. That's what matters. And if you're arguing that because you didn't like it, because it was an all-female cast, that is disingenuous. Right. Speaking of insanity, yes. we're going to talk about our next movie right after yes. this break. And now a word from our sponsors. Now back to the show. Sword of Doom is a 1966 Jidai Geki film directed by Kehachi Okamoto and stars Tatsuya Nakadai. And I got all those right because of my vast experience with Japanese martial arts. The movie's based on a serial novel of the same title by Kaizan Nakazato. This film was on your list, Jason. Why was this film on your list? So, I've, I'm a fan of Akira Kurosawa. I think a lot of... Oh, yeah filmmakers are you know kind of had to be <laughs> it yeah it's like hitchcock spielberg scorsese kurosawa 
and the French director whose name I always forget, but I have some of his films on my watch <laughs> list. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he kind of has to be there. Yeah. So I want to see more stuff from like other directors of that time period. Hmm. Cause I I've heard this criticism of Kurosawa as well. It's like, he's very Western director. Yeah. I can see that. Yeah. And a lot of people are influenced by that. Whereas the other directors are more like East focused, like mm. focused like East, Eastern stuff. So the reason I want to watch this movie is because I actually like heard about it like recently because I'm actually writing a script for like a short samurai film that I think you know of, mm-hmm. and I wanted to see more examples of it. So I saw that Barnes and Noble was having like fifty percent off their Criterion collection. So I was like, you know, what? might as well. And yeah. James actually suggested this one. I'm like. Yeah, might as well watch it. And that was a good recommendation. So yep. that's why I watched it. And usually it doesn't happen this way. Usually I'll wait years before I watch it. <laughs> like, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm going to watch it. Yeah, I'm going to. Well, yeah, well, maybe yeah. next month. Uh, mm, yeah. Because there are a lot of Kira Kurosawa <laughs> movies on HBO Max. Like a lot of Oh, really? Ones. Yeah. Not, not all of them, but like I know The Hidden Fortress is there. I think Seven Samurai is it's there. It's so funny because I, I canceled H, my HBO Max subscription, speaking of my streaming habits. Because the only thing on there I wanted to see was Westworld. Really? I watched season one, and I was done. Okay, let me show you on my phone real okay. quick. Okay, you got, you got a list for me? <laughs> because HBO Max has this thing where if you look on like the, the three uh, three lines, yeah, yeah, it actually shows you like Cartoon Network or whatever. So for those of you who are listening, I'm going to like show something to David that, that I'm just going to oh, watch. Oh, yeah, and, and uh, this visual stuff is great for podcasting right here. <laughs> So right here on the upper left, right here, you see the three lines right here? Yep. Click that. And you know there's like other yeah, categories yeah. right here? I go all the way down. I go to TCM. Turn oh, yeah, movies, yeah. And they have a lot of good ones right there. So they have Eight and a Half, yep. Gandhi, and you have Willy Wonka. That's, we're going to have to the watch original. that. I have their original on disc, FYI. Casablanca. <laughs> Citizen Kane. Casablanca is <laughs> one of my favorites. It's a great movie. Citizen Kane. And a lot of the older stuff, too. So I usually watch it watch like the stuff that's like categorized as Turner classic movies because mm-hmm. they have a lot of classic ones right there. Right. But I'm actually going to search Akira Kurosawa for you real quick. Yeah. And it's funny because I saw recently on, I think it was Amazon prime. I just watched, uh, I just watched Ron, which was a little rough. That was really slow, mm. but visually it was really good, but they had, there's something else there. I want to say throne of blood, and you know, Ron is based on Lear. Yeah. And Throne of Blood is based on Macbeth. Yeah. Yeah. But they also have some, they added some other classic stuff that I've been wanting to watch, which is I just saw three Hitchcock films <laughs> Vertigo. Oh, geez. There were three. And I'm like, as soon as I saw them, I'm putting them on the wish, on the watch list <laughs> because, like, I gotta, I gotta watch them because my luck, they'll take them off. So currently, so, there are six films mm. on HBO Max. So there's The Hidden Fortress, yep. Yojimbo. Saw it. Throne of Blood, Seven Samurai, Saw it. Rashomon, which is really Saw good. Rashomon. That's a really good one. Rashomon, that's another one that I, and and Sword of Doom is one, I, I have, that's one I have to, I saw Rashomon once. Mm. I have to watch it again. Yes. Because yes. it is that, the retelling of the story from perspectives, and, and it was, like, you don't know that going in unless you're a fan or you've heard, but, but it's still, it is such a, such a dense movie. Mm-hmm. Sort of Doom was the same. It's so much there. It's, I have to watch again. So I'm going to call you up at some point. And say, hey, Jason, I'm I'm in a I'm in a samurai mode. Can I borrow the Sword of Doom? You're like, okay, Dave, but lend me. I'll lend you yeah. the movie. So anyway, yeah, that's great that they have 
six right off the bat there. Yeah, and I saw on Amazon Prime they had Rand on there, and I have that on my list too. Ron. I was going to... Ron? It's Ron? It's Ron. Okay. My Sorry. bad. My bad. <laughs> I'm going I'm to be pedantic because I, I, I can do some of the Japanese pronunciations. Dude, it should be easy. Japanese is just like Spanish. <laughs> Same vowels. Listen, I, I also go with English too. So okay. I, I, I guess language is bastardized for me. Uh, no, no problem. <laughs> so Understood. So I actually had that downloaded on my phone like from mm. Amazon Prime because I was going to watch it on my flight to L.A., but I was watching 36 Chamber instead. Okay. Yeah. That's all right. And I was also like sleepy, so. Oh, yeah. And that's some movies you can watch and kind of be in and out like, you know, you can like on your second view of a Marvel film or, you know, another uh, on your third view of a Fast and Furious movie. Fine. <laughs> you're not all there. But if you're watching a Kurosawa or, you know, Citizen Kane or, you know, a Scorsese, big, dense movie. Yeah. You gotta pay attention. You gotta be all in. You gotta. <laughs> and you also, gotta be on your game. didn't feel able to do it justice too because it's on my phone. Like, yes, my, my phone is like pretty big for its um for its size. Like, yes. you can see all of it. But a Kurosawa film, man, you want to see at least at the very least a computer screen. I was just say at least a tablet. You know, yeah. something. At the very least, yeah. So I'm waiting to like watch it like on somewhere bigger. Probably my my family's TV. To eat TV. Yeah, that is definitely a thing that uh, and Ron is. Like I said, it was a little tough for me. I shouldn't admit this, but it was kind of slow going. Now, fortunately, I was familiar with King Lear, mm. so you like you understand it's the it's the Mad King and and his three daughters, but in this case, the three sons. So I was able to kind of stay focused, but it was I thought I would be more engaged. Right, I okay. seem to be okay. less engaged. Sort of Doom, however, I was hooked from the beginning, mm. so. Be aware when you're when you when you watch it. So, Sword of Doom. What are your first thoughts? I really like this movie. Like you said, okay. there, there were some moments where like it was a little slow, mm. but I was still able to like, catch what was going on. And there are a few scenes that still stick out to me. Like it's been, I, it's been a couple weeks since I've seen it, but yep. it sticks out. Right, For, what are your? I have. <laughs> I actually had to write down some of the scenes, or at least one of the scenes that. And I think the average person is not going to care because people, I think. Will watch this if you're not familiar with the genre, and want to see the sword fighting. I right. mean, come on, yeah, yeah, samurai. Who doesn't like that? But I want to hear your. Uh, so, what's, what's your fave? So there's actually three, and it kind of goes in order because it kind of has okay. chronological order. The very first scene when he kills that man, kills the old man for nothing. Yeah, you get, you get a sense of his character. I'm like, yo, what do you do? Nothing. He just he just wanted to murder. Yeah, he just wanted to murder. Yeah. He had murder on his mind. Woke he up, was, yeah. He woke up and chose violence, which is a very common thing for him to do. Like, he is a very violent man. Oh, yeah. But I, I also wonder, and I, and I, this is one of those things I should probably read the book, and I should study more. I'm wondering if there, because it's called the Sword of Doom, mm -hmm. is the sword possessed? Did, did it make the carrier, it's like, and, and from some kind of, you know, fantasy world thing, mm. did it control him? Sometimes there is that, there is a little bit of, and I don't know a lot about the the Japanese culture and the history, but there is a little bit of an animus, like objects have agency. Let's say, spirits, a lot of spirits in Japanese in a Shinto Buddhism, and I've heard the talk about the the sword is the soul of the samurai, and there's a famous movie I forget which one again. I, this is in my in my pre notes that I sent you. I said I shouldn't admit to all the Japanese movies I haven't seen because I'm like doing martial arts, 
Japanese martial art for 34 years, sword martial art for, I don't know, 12. I should know these movies by heart, but I don't. There's one movie where a guy takes his sword to be sharpened and the guy kind of dismisses him and is, is, talks about the sword is the soul of the samurai and I would be sharpening your soul. Mm. And the guy has this kind of awakening and later he comes back to the sword master and tells him, I need my soul sharpened. And then he said, ah, oh, you've learned the lesson. That kind of, <laughs> that kind of, you know, it's a little, a little heavy handed, but it was still that that's what the sword is. It is the soul of the samurai. So could this sword of doom be an evil thing that is corrupting his soul? I don't know. It's something that might be there. It's, I don't necessarily reading into it. I don't necessarily agree. I think mm. it's just, um, magnification of his, of himself. Okay. So it's the, the sword of doom. It's, it's, Maybe it's also the samurai of doom. It's this yeah, corrupt, exactly evil individual. Yeah, mm. because like you see other people, like other samurais in the, in the movie, mm. and there's that one guy who I'll talk about later, mm-hmm. who very skilled at the sword, but he's not evil. Mm. So the only reason why he's not evil is because he's not evil at heart, you know. Mm. So if the sword is possessed, then they made no hints of it. <laughs> and maybe that's, I could absolutely be reading into that myself. Right. But that was, that was my thought. So, okay. That was your first thing of, holy crap, this guy just <laughs> freaking murdered somebody. Yeah. My second scene that stood out was when almost no sword plays happening. That's my scene. That, that competition. Dude. Oh my gosh. Never have I ever been so tense to see something not happen. <laughs> exactly yeah when that and that was the that was kind of the springboard of the movie of this confrontation between this guy who's just so good well he's not he's so good it's there's this they want him to throw the match right because if this guy loses that would look really bad but he's clearly the better swordsman and he has this honor that he won't again there's some bits of that scene that i was i think were lost on me because i like you said, freaking murdered a guy just before, and what the hell's happening? And now he's going to fight another... What? So I was a little lost. Like I said, I'm going to borrow this from you again. But yeah, that scene, just nothing is happening. And it's just a movement, a foot turn, a little lean, and you're like, oh, holy crap! You are so nervous. Right, and... It's too late before the mat, the referee can call it because he looks at the other guy like, oh no, you gotta call it, you gotta call it. It's a, it's a drop. Nope, too late. <laughs> <laughs> and and then and I had to watch that see like what actually happened like when he came at him with the illegal ski. Oh my gosh! And he yeah he basically got out and knocked him the crap out. Yeah. And and just killed him. That was a mm. that was a. I think that was the butt of the sword. He didn't yeah. even cut him, which is kind of weird because usually they chop and that's what you do with the sword. But yeah, that but that tension there, you were just, well, I was just yeah. absolutely engaged. So it actually reminds me because I was watching the James Cameron Masterclass, which is on Masterclass, you know, the website mm. with like celebrity instructors. And he broke down his movies and he said like, whenever you're going to have puts, when you're going to have like a moment of suspense, keep the audience there mm. and then reward it later. Mm-hmm. And I was just thinking like, oh, did James Cameron watch this movie? Because they really kept you in suspense throughout the whole thing. Yeah. And then, boom, 
what? And then you and you and you're and you're shocked. It's not like it's not like a big explosion. No, it was like whoa, 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 what happened? Like I said, I had to go watch it. I think I watched it twice mm. from the very end of the tension to like what happened? Like holy crap, that was that was yeah. serious tension. So that was the second. That was one. the second one. Okay. Um, actually, I know I put spoiler warnings. Uh, at the beginning oh, of the yes. episode, this is definitely before spoiler. So, if you if you've been spoiled by this movie, you can st- I think you can still watch it. You'll still see like suspense right there. But my bad, I warned you in the beginning. <laughs> yeah, you, you were warned, audience. <laughs> so, third scene is the scene where the samurai is ambushed in the snow, mm. and just the cinematography of everything. Mm. And the main character, he doesn't even fight him. He's so scared of him. He's like, whoa. <laughs> You are so much better than me. I'm not going to do anything. <laughs> I'm like, oh, look, look who's talking. Yeah, you're not talking shit no more, huh? You ain't talking shit no more, huh? Now go fight him. Now can fight Toshiro Mifune. <laughs> so that scene, because it, it's like a pretty long scene. I, I'm really happy it was because mm. it's very cinematic. And like the snow falling adds to the whole thing. Yeah. So... Just kills the whole group except for that one guy, yep. and just leaves them there. <laughs> like, bro, get to finish the job right now. <laughs> no, well, may- maybe he had a reason. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, those are like three scenes that stood out to me. Yeah, I'm I'm hundred percent with you on that on the first one. There's other movies that I like action as much as the next guy, mm-hmm. but sometimes you need a break in action or you need quiet time, but you need sometimes that tension that. That anticipation, mm-hmm. it's that, 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 I think they've mentioned in film, the analogy of in the roller coaster, just before you drop, <laughs> that anticipation, because the drop is the rush, right. but the anticipation of it, if they can build that up, it makes the rush of the drop even bigger. And there's a, I think it was Kurosawa's last film, and I'll let your audience rip me apart, like in your in your show notes and your. I'm sure on your website they'll say, "Oh, Dave, such an idiot. You should know these things." Um, it was called. I, I have it. I've watched it, but I got to get subtitles somehow. I don't know how to do that. I'm sure is there's it, a technique. Is it dreams? Called, no, it's called After the Rain. The Japanese uh, uh, is Ame Agaru. Okay. It's about a samurai, a ronin samurai, on the road with his wife. They're just going from point A to point B, trying to survive. He gets hired by a local, whatever, daimyo guy, little, like we mentioned, little fiefdoms all <laughs> over the place, to teach his samurai. Mm. And this guy does almost nothing in his matches. with, And it's all wooden weapons. They're not fighting with live blades. But he does a wooden sword, wood on wood, and he's slow and he's an older guy he's like in his 50s or 60s and all these young kids like 20s and 30s challenging him and he just moves so slow and so deliberate until they make a move and then he'll just kind of he won't even the sword the cutting end of the sword does he'll just kind of raise the butt end just like in the guy's face and he'll see you'll have this moment of holy shit I can't do anything. <laughs> and then they'll start over again. And he'll do these minimalist movements. And then they'll get into like actual action. And he fights a guy with a naginata, hmm. which is like a seven-foot stick with a samurai sword on the end. Ah. And he kicks his ass. And it's all these fight scenes where this old guy does very little. But you can tell he is totally in charge. Hmm. So, anyway. 
Not sure why I brought that up. <laughs> but, um, yeah, this... I don't have a like apart from that first scene. I don't have any one scene that really stood out to me until the end, when it was just that mayhem mm. of him going through the house, castle, keep, whatever it was, and was just going insane. Right. And yeah, and do we want to jump to the end or yeah, do we but, want to go more on the on the awesomeness that is the sword fights the sword fights were just uh we could skip I mean, to the end a little bit yeah did you know he actually used a real knife for that no not a real knife a real sword no they used a real sword for that scene and yeah that's what happens when you make movies in the 50s uh, yeah where you're like yeah hey, use a real sword it'll be fun you, i'm not sure if you remember there was like this one point where he kind of used the sword as a cane as a little bit yeah, yeah like, he's kind of yeah, like that was a real sword as well and the okay. cinematographer was, like, telling him, like, watch out for your big toe, man. Like, you're being very... Yeah. Yeah, be careful. And it's, like, just seeing that, it's, like, amazing. Like, use the real sword for that. Wow. Dude, I... Yeah, I, we used metal swords on a project that we won't mention on the air because <laughs> we don't want to give it any more traction to freaking Nazis. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, I we used... Metal swords, which I thought was a little risky. They weren't sharp, but they were metal. Right. One girl almost had her face hit with a metal sword until I said maybe we shouldn't do it such that the girl is running into her face. But anyway, yeah, that that you couldn't get away with that today. Mm. That's just wouldn't happen. And I think I might be remembering this correct um incorrectly, but the final fight scenes as well were used with real swords, and if you didn't know how to use it, you're kind of considered like a an amateur. Yeah, yeah, I was, that that would not surprise me from it, back in the day. Oh, you don't know how to use a sword, like for for a fake fight scene, dude. Get out, go get sit out, out here. You're go not sit, professional. Yeah, go sit down and watch. Maybe, <laughs> maybe you'll learn something. <laughs> but yeah, the ending was it was just that. Again, visually and like metaphorically, the 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 insanity that he's going through was right. just amazing. But I didn't think it would end that way. Me neither. <laughs> I was like, I was expecting an ending, like he gets killed or he kills his tar, or but no, it just kind of stops. Freeze frame. Yeah, and I'm like, what the crap? Right. Like I said, <laughs> I'm definitely gonna have to bar this from you again because I was just. It did not go where I thought. <laughs> yeah, and there's so many like loose ends. Like there's like different story um, plots that are going on where like there's like the the brother of the man he killed like in a competition. He's been practicing a move specifically to counteract his his own move. Yes, and you see the it, whole movie. The whole movie he's practicing and nothing. And that's again that's maybe this is the director kind of kind of usurping our expect our expectations. Yeah, that's actually a, a very how do I say. Because I said earlier that like our audiences are very film literate now. Yes, I'm not sure if it was during the recording. I forgot, but they're very literate. They know where things go. Like if you see like, oh, he's about his parents about to get murdered. He's about to become a hero. Yeah. Oh, it's and the thing is, we can see that and and it can be good. Like we're oh yeah, we have this expectation, but do you want to have the expectation, or does the director want you to have that expectation, or does he want to? Flip it on its head. And I think this is like a great way to subvert, subvert that expectation right yeah. there. And it's like, oh, you don't have the satisfaction. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And it's funny because I'm wondering, this was, this was made in what, 1950-something? 66. 66, yeah. And that was probably at the height of Kurosawa. Mm-hmm. So it's like, you know, 
and the Japanese they made a bunch of samurai films and, and a lot of TV shows too. And yeah, it was a very lot. these moralistic stories, you know, the hero winning at the end and so forth, and that's the audience kind of was expecting that. So maybe this director went, nah, Yeah. We're we're changing it up on you. And also like there's also like also a reason behind it too, because they were planning a sequel. Mm. But they said no. <laughs> Which is but that would have been interesting because then what happens and then we get to see in the second like the second act, like when they would do old some of the some old timey movies, it's like the serials, it would end on a cliffhanger and what happens to our hero or, or maybe mm-hmm. the villain now. And people would want to see that. So I'm right. a little surprised when you mention that and then oh they were expecting to write a, a sequel and then they didn't. See Damn the, it. the reason why is because this isn't like a unique story this isn't like a, a film that has its own unique story it's based off a novelization of a serialized mm. um thing some newspaper serial right mm. and it was like on a newspaper for like 30 de- not 30 decades three decades mm. it was and it was very popular it came out after like emperor meiji died a lot of volumes were published but then the author died before he could end it you know what this sounds like what this sounds like sherlock holmes because holmes Sherlock Holmes was written for the newspaper. Oh, really? Yeah. Co- Arthur Conan Doyle put it out in, and I forget the newspaper, but yeah, it was it was like a serial. It was like people would tune in to the, the latest Sherlock Holmes story. And like this, it's like he, some things that he purposely, Conan Doyle purposely did, like he didn't, he wanted to end it. He didn't want to write it. And so when he killed Sherlock Holmes at, uh, Reichenbach Falls. That was supposed to be the end of it, and the and the the people in London went crazy. Wow! They were like, "No, we want more." And he had to keep he had to bring him back from the dead and then write more and more, which he apparently didn't like doing. Wow! That's so. It's it's. I'm I'm getting this weird Sherlock Holmes vibe from this uh, Japanese serial newspaper serial. Yeah, but the author died before that could happen. Yeah, which it makes it harder. Yeah, you know that also reminds me of like those. You see Misery, right? Yes. Yeah. So I just. <laughs> yes. I just think like, oh, London is filled with misery, people. <laughs> yeah, maybe. But yeah, but the thing is, this movie is like the most famous version, the most famous adaptation of that story. Oh, I, there, I didn't know so there, there were others. There are others. There's, oh. there, there was one that like a two part film made in the 1930s, mm. and they had made a couple more after the World War Two mm. and the 1950s as well so this wow. this one is just the most popular one gotcha so it's not like this the ending is unknown mm-hmm. it's just that's just one adaptation right and and with the, with the thought to continue it but then never did yeah never did mm. yeah and the movie stars um tatsuya nakadai is that saying correctly i uh, that sounds right yep okay so he is very famously known as the bad guy in a lot of movies mm so, have you seen Yojimbo? I've seen Yojimbo, yes. Yeah, so the guy with the gun. Okay. That was him. Oh. Yeah. I thought he was familiar. And Toshiro... Toshiro um, Mifune. Yeah, he was oh. Yojimbo, right? He was Yojimbo, yeah. Yeah, he's the other guy in the movie. Right, he's the, he's the, he's the sensei mm-hmm. of the guy, the student who was practicing right. for the, the secret technique t- for their final confrontation. Mm-hmm. And it's funny, because I saw Toshiro Mifune, I'm like, oh, I expected him to be the lead, but he's has more secondary role and the funny thing is when the the guy kills all the guys on the boat i thought toshiro mofuni was one of them right could, it was hard to see because yeah, of the yeah, rain yeah. and everything like <gasps> i didn't know toshiro mofuni died i was like that how how did i not hear about this and then he shows up later i'm like oh you got me 
Yeah, yeah, Because it yeah. was like, he was like one guy who wasn't there at that time. I'm like... Yeah. That, that was a really good scene as well. That was like very suspenseful. Like, but yeah, he's... Tatsuya, he's really used to be playing the bad guy. Mm. And he says he kind of prefers it because usually the villains have more dimension to them. I've heard that from a lot of actors. Yeah. Like, a lot of, <laughs> like American actors, a lot of British actors... Yeah, be it's good to be a hero and all good, but villains tend to have a there's a little more depth to villains. Well, good villains, well written villains. So sounds like the same thing in uh, Japanese film. And also Toshiro, he he did something that kind of inspired Tetsuya to do the same. He would memorize his scripts before he'll show up. So he wouldn't even show up with the script. He memorized everything before he show up. Okay, speaking as an actor, <laughs> I thought that's what you did. Be like. Everyone's parts. Oh, everyone's parts. Yeah. Yes, I have heard, and I've heard some American actors will do that, but these are people who are like really driven and also have really good memories, which I don't have. Yeah. But um, yeah, that's interesting. Now I wonder how much of that is him just being an insane perfectionist, <laughs> or maybe kind of going a little too far, like doesn't trust people, or I don't know. But I didn't know that about Toshiro Mifune. Yeah, he he's. Really good, and it inspired Tetsuya to like start memorizing his scripts too. <laughs> okay, that well, that that yeah. would definitely do it. Was there any bad from your point of view for this movie? Because I had a couple things in it, and I think they're nitpicky, but I have them, so I wonder if you. So I think if you're not too familiar with like samurai movies and like the history of them, you might see some parts of the movie where like what what's going on. I that is exactly my thing. That whole and I think I mentioned uh, in the notes I sent you. It was the whole pol- the political intrigue, like <laughs> like this governor and this senator and this alderman and this, I what who and relationships and how they were and because some of it is cultural like mm-hmm. there are certain things you just do in Japanese society like again there's a connection to Sherlock Holmes there there were aspects there were like plot points in some of the Holmes works that hinged on British behavior. Like, a guy was able to commit a crime because he was dressed in formal, you know, coat and tails. Mm. He was a waiter. So he's dressed (laughs) this way, and he he basically took took the, uh, the, the demeanor of an English gentleman while dressed as a waiter, and no one paid any attention to him when he was going from point A to point B because he wasn't acting like a servant, like a waiter. So there's similar things, I'm sure, in Japanese customs and culture and politics. I was lost on. I'm like, I'm trying to figure it out. And my other problem, I don't know if you have this problem. Oh, the subtitles. <laughs> I don't hate them, but when I have to look and read, I'm not seeing the guy give a look to the other guy. And then I'm reading it. And I miss so much when yeah. I'm reading because I read very slowly. Also. <laughs> yeah, that, that's, that can be a pl- complaint as well. But if they subbed it, like not subbed it, if they dubbed it, dubbed it, I'm not sure it would be better. I'm not I, sure. in some ways, I think it will because, and also nowadays, because you've heard when they dub, they kind of, there are certain actors in certain languages, like there are Spanish speaking actors who always voice the same character, like the hero. Yeah. Whether it's yeah, Tom yeah. Hanks or Gary Oldman or Robert De Niro, this one actor always does the hero voice and this actor does the villain voice. There's got to be that in you know, English into Japanese, maybe? Yeah. It, I I'd just, like to see it. I'd like to try it. I'm just not very... There's, like, a whole subs for Dove Wars in, like, the weeb, weeb community. Oh. 
Uh, I'm not too much a part of it, but I have seen like I do have like this thing where like it kind of takes away from their performance if you mm. have to, if you dub it. You think a little bit, which okay, I will agree to that on paper. <laughs> but I will hear it and I will understand it. So I'm like, yeah, give the credit to the guy doing the English. Come yeah. on, you got to pay. He's getting paid. You're taking you're taking money out of these struggling yeah. voice actors. <laughs> Actually, I will say I saw The Dark Knight in Spanish once, right? Interesting. Here's the thing, though. I do say this thing about dubbing like mm. into English from foreign languages. But I, when I was a kid, we had um, Telemundo, you know, like those mm-hmm. others other Spanish channels and a lot of times they'll like show movies on the weekends you know a lot of like they're mostly like 90s action movies okay and all of them were in Spanish and when I watched them in English later on I'm like it's not the same anymore <laughs> and so when I watched oh it's good when I watched The Dark Knight in Spanish because I've seen it in English I've seen it plenty of times in mm. English the voice of the Joker was very well done and I was like I feel so bad because he will probably never be known because yeah, a lot of people. How, yeah, how many people have seen the Spanish version? I mean, probably like Spanish audiences. <laughs> yeah, but in terms of numbers versus the people who've seen Dark Knight. Yeah, Man. yeah. So I was like, he did a very good job on that, and I, I, I'm, I never learned his name, but he, yeah. he if you're listening to this Spanish actor, or... <laughs> <laughs> kudos to you. Yeah, <laughs> well done, Spanish yeah, Joker. <laughs> because they mostly yeah. remember Heath Ledger because he, he did a great job. Oh, you know? he, yeah, that was yeah, amazing, amazing performance. But yeah, but, so I would, I would. Is sort of Doom does it even have a dubbed version or no? Not in the Criterion okay. one that I got. Maybe there, maybe it's out there, but that's one of those things for movies like this uh, that I've seen and will probably see again. I'd like to do both. Mm. Try it with subtitles, watch it, and then try it with dubbed, and and see how it how it's impacted. Yeah, I'm I, I'm going to lean slightly towards dubbing as opposed to subtitles, <laughs> but that's that's my bias. Uh, that was really the only bad I had was right. the, and it was and it wasn't the bad of the movie. It was bad. It was my bad. Following the political intrigue and the social, how, why things are the way they are, mm-hmm. couldn't pick it up as well as I'd like. And also having to read, you know, the subtitles where that was just hard for me to do. Mm-hmm. So I should probably work on my Japanese. <laughs> the only Japanese I know is. How to attack people and throw them and use various sword techniques on them. Yeah, that's good. Only partially uh, translatable into the movies. Definitely. So, can you discuss briefly? We were talking about this before we recorded. How like martial arts kind of formed during like peaceful era. Okay, that's. A, I'm sure I'll get slammed, but this is a thing I have found from talking to martial artists who are also historians. The martial arts that we know nowadays, you know, karate, jujitsu, iaido, and kendo, they formed a long time ago. And a lot of these martial arts are hundreds of years old because they might have started with somebody, but a lot of Japanese martial arts were really refined in right around the Meiji Restoration when Japan was no longer at civil war. Because before 1700 something, there was a lot of infighting in japan like different fiefdoms i think they were daimyos were the local warlord and then you'd have different groups cities whatever fighting each other but then when they all came under the direction of the shogun and eventually the emperor meiji restoration was the big thing but that was the modern modernization of japan 
But in the period of peace prior to the Meiji Restoration, that's when they could focus on things. Like they took their sword skills and then really honed them or their karate skills or jujitsu skills and really refined them into formal systems that they could, because they were at peace now. So it's like, we had to kill to survive or you know, do whatever. And you had to learn how to, if you lost your sword, you had to grapple or punch your way out of the problem. But they could then, during that period of peace, refine their martial art, which is weird because martial has to do with war. Right. So it's this war <laughs> stuff that they're really focusing on in a peacetime. So anyway, that's what I have heard from the, the martial arts that I've, martial artists that I know that have a historical bent and people like Don Drager, who's a martial artist, who was, wrote, wrote about the history. Uh, it's a bunch of other uh, martial artists, historians. It's interesting stuff. But it didn't help me in my watching of the movie. Like I said, this is definitely one I have to watch again to pick up more of the story to find out what's happening. Because a lot of it I didn't know was happening right up until it was happening. Right. And yeah. then it's like, oh my gosh, what did I just watch? There are great YouTube um, synopses of like the history of samurai movies that gives mm. you context to, to the history and to other stuff that happens in the movies. Dave, uh, not David, James will probably... <laughs> the other guy. James will give could, could give you like some good recommendations. Yeah, and that's cool thing about James is he's he's a he's a student of film and he's also does martial arts, mm-hmm. so he has that background. So it's always he, he always has a good uh, good recommendations. Although he tends to recommend he his movie martial art expertise is more Chinese, like mm-hmm. a lot of the kung fu stuff, a lot of Jackie Chan stuff. He's also giving me interesting recommendations from Korean movies oh yeah that involve different bits of martial arts but also gunplay so mm. he's n- he's never without a recommendation <laughs> did you have any any items that were bad that you didn't like that were difficult for you so because i i've told mine and that they were honest, all failings of myself <laughs> i'll be honest i don't really see any bad stuff like i don't want to say it was cool. about, i don't want to say it was about errors you know i don't think yeah. it's like the most perfect film but i don't have like a list of bad stuff for the movie yeah it's and that's the thing. I can't point to this movie and say, I'm trying to make an analogy to what we did on Ghostbusters. There weren't any jokes. But, like, I can't point to stuff like this sword fight was bad or this mm. this scene was uninteresting or whatever. <laughs> like, there's nothing I can point to and say, I had a problem with the movie. And there, it wasn't even, I think I mentioned, I'd, I had seen Ron, Curse Out was Ron, which dragged for me in mm. a lot of ways. This movie did not drag. Right. Like, it starts off right away, the girl and the grandfather, oh, they're out for a walk, and all of a sudden, the grandfather's murdered. Like, what the <laughs> hell? Like, right away, it gets you. So, yeah, I, I, had, I, had, I had no bads. Like I said, the only, the only weird thing for me was the ending. That yeah. was the only thing that... And again, it's not bad. It's just not what I expected. I Because expe- the way they built it up, I'm expecting... The evil samurai and the young upstart who's practicing his secret technique. And they're going to come to you. And will the technique work? Will it not work? What's going to happen? It never happens. Nope, just stop. <laughs> just, just done. What's End gonna, in freeze frame. What's going to happen? We won't Tune even in there. next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so that's... Yeah, so you... I, I think this is definitely a recommend for people to watch. Yeah. There's a good reason why it's on the Criterion Collection. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely watch it. And like I said, another another good point about a movie, if it's one of those where I'm like, I have to watch this again. <laughs> did I tell you the first time I did that? Like literally watched it 
like I watched the movie and then watched it again, I think the same day, possibly the next day, The Usual Suspects. Really? Dude, I watched that movie and went, I have to watch this again. Because you're like, what? Yeah. Right. And then there have been other movies where I'm like, Memento. Right. Oh, man. But that was tough to watch because you're, you're, cause I didn't know going in what it was about. Mm. Then you watch it and then your brain breaks. And then you go, <laughs> ah, I must watch this again. But yeah. And then people have their favorite movies that yeah, at any point I could just pull it off the shelf and watch it. Absolutely. But yeah. This is definitely a watch again, and I think that's that's a praise for a movie in different ways. Sometimes it mm. just hits all hits all your marks. This one was it was just so dense. Yeah, it was there was so much to it mm-hmm. that I have to see it again. So I may not let you take it from take it away. <laughs> I'll let you take it because knowing me, unlike you, I'm like I have so many movies on my list. There are too many that I wanna I wanna put ahead of it. Gotcha. So, but I'll we'll touch base later. All right, that's the end of our discussion, folks. Thank you so much for listening. And, David, thank you for having me here and for letting me have this in your home. Right oh, here. I'm happy to do it. When you first mentioned it, I was like, this sounds great. <laughs> Even though you uh, upset my expectations from what your podcast is. But I, I like the concept where, at the very least, it gets people to watch their movies that they've been meaning to watch yeah. forever. So yeah. I, I just like that from that point of view. Cool. So it was a lot of fun. So let me ask you real quick. I ask this for every guest. Were the movies a hit or miss with you? Yes. <laughs> so, yes. Uh, sort of Doom was a hit. Definitely. Absolutely. And again, I'll wa- I will watch it again once I can borrow it from you. Ghostbusters was a miss. It was scale of 1 to 10. It wasn't a 1, but it didn't reach up even to 5. Maybe like a 3. There were some okay aspects, but that, it was a miss. Yeah. I would say the same thing for me. Sword of Doom, definite hit for me. Like, it's right on target. I always use the analogy of the target. <laughs> it hit right the target, right in the center, right through the other arrow. That's <laughs> the, the, the Robin Hood. Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, this is like the Robin Hood hit. Yep. <laughs> and Ghostbusters, unfortunately, that was a miss. Like, I knew the criticism behind it, but I was hoping they were wrong. But yeah, I wanted, I wanted to be wrong. Yeah. I wanted that to be wrong. But. Yeah. So, that's unfortunate. Yeah. And, yeah, so, where can we find you on social media? Myself, personally, I'm on a bunch of things, mainly on Facebook. Um, I post a lot there, but mainly pictures of turtles that I find around <laughs> my house. Um, I'm, on, I'm, the only, I'm the only David Norton in Bryantown, Maryland, so if people really want to find me there. If people are interested in Aikido and the stuff I do with the dojo, I can be found, if you just search... Pax River Aikikai, A-I-K-I-K-A-I. <laughs> Pax River Aikikai, you'll find us on Facebook. We're a personal page. We're not a business page because of how I set it up. Again, Grandpa Can't Tech. Uh, I'm on Twitter. Uh, the dojo's on Twitter and Instagram. We have a YouTube channel, which I'm hoping to put out videos for new students, which someone told me, yeah, you should probably do this, but it's one of those, I have this fear of failure that I don't want to put out crappy content <laughs> maybe you know about but um yeah that's where you can find the dojo if people are interested in aikido and iaido and movie martial arts stuff yeah gotcha all right thank you david and thank you for listening and until next time cross off a new film from your list 
Thank you for listening to the Hitlist Podcast. If you like this episode, please consider giving us five stars and leaving a review. It really does help. You can also follow us on Facebook at The Hitlist Podcast and Instagram at the underscore hitlist underscore podcast. 